0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to Live Transformed Podcast. It's episode number 224. And we're thankful that you've joined us, that you've decided that this is a good thing to do. And I really believe that this is going to be an incredible episode together. So welcome, Jim. Glad mm. to have you.
1: It is good to be here. <laughs> if
0: you weren't here, then it would be me by myself, and that wouldn't be okay. That'd be,
1: yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> you you'd do great.
0: Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> Just me and my podcast friends. We're going to talk for an hour. You can do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I actually probably could. That's probably probably the case. Bob isn't with us again this week, but by next week he's going to be back. That's right. So actually,
1: so. actually, what it was, he did something wrong, and we made him stand in the corner. <laughs> For a whole week. <laughs> Stop it! Yeah,
0: Bob is still in the corner. That's right. He's facing the wall and thinking about what he did. Right.
1: If he <laughs> seems, if he seems really repentant, yeah, then we'll let him out next week. Then
0: we'll let him back.
1: <laughs> he's um, a pretty good
0: boy. I think he's really thinking about what he did. You know, I, I
1: bet he is. <laughs>
0: he's actually I mean I just love that he's just out he's doing something for my mom and dad where they needed him and what isn't it cool Jim that you can love others by loving who they love like I feel so loved by Bob that he takes good care of my parents you know and I just love that so
1: you know I can remember when as a young pastor you know people would come to my church and you know, got to remember, I, I, I really went into ministry way too early. Nearly everybody does. I mean, I wasn't. I never wanted to go into ministry. I just wanted to minister to people. And so, what happens when you're effective at helping people? Other people start <laughs> building things around you, <laughs> yes. and you look around one day like, "Where did all this come from?
0: What, what did all this happen?" <laughs> yeah.
1: And so, it wasn't that I minded pastoring. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. It just you know all the pieces were not aligned in me properly to to be that great at it. Yeah. But uh, uh I, but you know I, I think I was a good pastor. I wasn't codependent. You know I wasn't the kind of pastor that that would chase you down if you laid out of church. I wasn't the kind of pastor that stood at the back door and shook hands with you. I didn't play all those games about we're going to try to keep you here giving no you money as long as we can, all that kind of stuff. But uh, but the. You know, it was a learning experience, and one of the things God taught told me really early on about my life is like, look, this is not what you're called to do, but this is what you're going to do until you learn the life lessons about working with people that you need to learn. And so, so I spent about thirty years in pastoral type ministry. I mean, I was doing crusades and all that kind of stuff at the same time until I,
0: you learned your you got, you had to learn your lesson.
1: Well, you know, yeah, <laughs> no, I, no, absolutely. <laughs> I had I, I had to. You know, in making this journey of the heart, you don't in ministry you don't have the the external markers that other ministers use to gauge where people are, which you shouldn't do anyhow. I mean, you know. But uh, uh, so you know, I was I was traveling territory that uh, probably in the last few thousand years, last maybe eighteen hundred years, nobody ever traveled. And so there wasn't anybody that could show me how to do this. There you wasn't... were forging,
0: you were forging some new pathways. Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, you you talked to the back in the in the seventies. You know, you talked to somebody about the heart, and they just said, "Oh, well, that's just another word for the spirit." That was it. You know
0: what? And you know what? Even mentioning the word meditation could get you in trouble. Oh, it gets you, get you! It you
1: kicked out of church.
0: Yeah, even though it's a it's a biblical word, it's just wild. When it, like I don't remember everything about being in the seventies, no. but. All the things that we can just—I mean, even the word acupuncture. Oh my oh, goodness! Yeah. Like something.
1: <laughs> you you would have a you'd have a delegation of deliverance people show up at your house wanting to cast all the devils out of you and your house. But you know, here's an interesting thing. You know, I, I'm kind of yeah. You know, I've always now I hate to say this because to me most of the time when people say this it's not healthy. But you know, I'm kind of a no BS guy. Now that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that I'm always going to set you straight. In other words, I'm not justifying a bunch of bad behavior. It's just I have no use for putting my time and my effort into anything that doesn't produce fruit.
0: Well, then you're just telling me you're a really good farmer. You know where to plant your seeds. You don't like planting seeds in stupid places.
1: No, no, you don't. And actually, the Bible warns leaders against that. And I'll tell you, so much of the dissatisfaction of people in ministry today is they're not in ministry so much to serve others as they're in ministry to meet their own needs. And so the end result becomes that they have to use Mm. people and they'll, they'll come up with some definition of spirituality or success or commitment or whatever. And then they have to kind of force their people into their concepts so that they can have a feeling of success. And yeah. so there were so many things about about the ministry, you know, pastoral ministry to me that were just nothing but BS. I mean, it was just a it was wasteless, wasted time, is was wasted effort. It hurt people sometimes more than helping. I'm not saying everything was bad, but I'm saying there there was more destructive things happening in church back in the '60s and '70s than beneficial things. If you want to
0: know yeah, the truth,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So. But I would notice sometimes there would be people that would come around that the real truth is, before I got saved, I wouldn't have anything to do with them. No, it wasn't because of how wicked they were or, you know, good or bad or that kind of thing. It was more about whether or not they're a game player or whether they're serious. And, and, you know, when I, if I picked up on the fact somebody was a game player and, you know, a lot of my book, Leadership That Builds People, one, is how I f- when and where and how I found the biblical answers to ministering mm-hmm. to people who were playing games, who were being yeah. codependent, how to protect my own heart from codependency, all that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. but so, so I can I can remember just thinking, you know, uh, I don't like this person, uh, but I'm willing to help them. Yeah. And so I kind of went from there to, okay, I, I don't really have any value for this person, but uh, God had enough value to send Jesus. So, so I went through this process of a few years of just saying, it really doesn't matter how I feel. What matters is how, how does God feel? What is his right. attitude toward this person? Mm-hmm. So for me, ministry and even friendships and the way I manage any relationship comes down to what? What would God's view be on this? How, you know, how would yeah. Jesus treat this person in real life? And, you know, Jesus would jack people up. Man, I mean, he would correct them. He would challenge them. And they didn't like it. And sometimes they turned against him because of it. Sometimes they followed him and got their problems solved. But I realized not only was it okay to challenge people, but it was actually biblical as long as you don't do it out of anger. I mean, if if, right. if, if your goal is to help them and da, da, da. Mm-hmm. so yeah, So, you know, I spent about 30 years in pastoral ministry just learning how to be a civilized human being you know based on biblical criteria because i didn't know how to be a civilized human being i didn't have good manners i didn't i didn't have good anything other than i was very sincere about helping people yes so <clears throat> you know making this heart journey from the very beginning always made me look at people and the and their journey very differently because you know uh, you know, the, the scripture that turned my life around, and I mean, I hadn't been saved hardly any time because, you know, man, I, I immediately remember, you know, my commitment to the Lord was I will not believe anything that I ever hear about you until I can see it in the Bible and grasp it for myself. That was mm-hmm. that was my starting place. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I started right off the bat reading the New Testament. You know, I probably read the New Testament through, I don't even know, a couple of times at least before I ever went to church for the first time. I'm sitting there. I, I'm, I've been a believer for like two weeks, three weeks. I'm sitting there. I'm hearing this guy say stuff. I'm saying, well, that's odd because that's not what the Bible says. And I wasn't critical. I just thought, well, maybe he knows something I don't know. Maybe I need to talk yeah. to him and find out what he's coming from. But mm-hmm. right off the bat, I started seeing this this total separation. From the scriptures uh, into religion and and into yeah. into corporate church and then how to get people to do what mm-hmm. you wanted them to do and all and that and people's kind of
0: lifestyle. Stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh
1: yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Cultural cultural context. Yes. So so anyhow, you know the very first scripture about the heart that really really spoke to me. And i had already taken notice, and I, I was already doing meditation. I didn't call it meditation. I didn't even know what that word meant you know but but when i read the bible i was always stopping and thinking about what would that look like in real life what would it look like if it, instead of jesus being there laying hands on people if it was me laying hands on people you know
0: mm-hmm. and so,
1: mm-hmm. so so i'm just i'm i'm doing all this hard work didn't know it was hard work but uh yeah. but uh uh you know finally one night i read that scripture over in samuel where where uh god sends samuel to uh David's household, the household of Jesse, and to pick out the king. And you know you remember the story, you know, he yeah. they didn't even they didn't even invite David in. You know, he was the he was the runt of the litter, you know what I mean? He didn't even yeah. look he probably he probably had a big old ward or something on his nose or something. <laughs> they didn't even bring him out in public, you know. And so, uh, you know, S- Samuel the prophet was ready uh based on the outward appearance. To anoint somebody as king and God uh, stopped him and said i don 't look on the outward part i look i, I look on the heart don't yeah. uh, don't ever look on the outward part man i'm telling you what I had an explosion hmm. inside me that night that, and I mean it was it was like I downloaded you know, a terabyte of information, all at pff, just lightning fast speed, to come to yeah. to come to realize if if whatever I'm doing with God is not from my heart, it ain't even real. It's just something made up. It's just religion. It's something I'm doing to impress God or impress somebody else. And so, man, I'm telling you, it 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 it, it took me on a, it, a U-turn, so to speak. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyhow. Over the subsequent years, I started learning that if we would use the tools that God laid out in the Scripture for influencing our heart, there was nothing that we couldn't overcome. There was nothing yeah. we couldn't change. There was there would be. Yeah. You know. You yeah. know. I, you know. This this year, by the way, at some at the World Changer Weekend, which we are having a live World Changer Weekend here this year, and. We're going to have live worship, and we're working on right now uh, live streaming for those for those that can't come. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, you know this this year uh, the the title is always above, never beneath, and then mm-hmm. the subtitle is the biblical secret to always winning. Hmm. And I'm telling you, I, I have believed from the first day I gave my life to Jesus. I believe from that moment forward that a believer should win by God's definition winning, not by my carnal definition, not you know, all that stuff. But in every situation, I should win every time. Yeah. And now that may mean I have to repent. That may mean I need to treat somebody better. That may mean I got to deal with me. But it means that I get a biblical outcome, you know, within within the scope of God's promises for us. So, you know, when you think about that, then you start realizing, okay, I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to do all these things. And I did, man. I, I mean, to this day, I still read the Bible. I meditate on the Word of God. I pray, you know, all that kind of stuff. But but it's with a particular focus. God, what are you saying to me?
0: Hmm. You, know,
1: no, you know, no matter what scripture I read today, yeah. I, I, I ended up having an opinion about that scripture. And so if, if that's you, if this opinion I've reached about this scripture, this understanding scripture, then... It doesn't matter that I have ad- adopted a new philosophical concept. That the real issue is how do I apply this to my life? If I believe this is what you're showing me, how does this look in real life? So, you know, all of that kind of brought me down to I want an intimate relationship with God from my heart. I want a heart-to-heart connection with God. And you know, you know, we talked uh, last week about the uh, about the two memes, You know, the uh, the open mem and the closed mem. And the closed mem represents how God speaks to you in private. Now, <clears throat> you you are probably know more about what I'm about to say than I do. But one of the things that came became uh, biological science in the last couple few decades is. A very interesting thing that happens when a mother is nursing her baby.
0: Okay, I was going to say, why do I know something that you don't know? You
1: know know a lot of stuff I don't know.
0: Ew, yes. Well, especially (coughs) about nursing babies. That's right.
1: Absolutely.
0: (laughs) I put about four years into that altogether. (laughs) You know, uh,
1: uh, it's amazing how many of these metaphors that we never look at. When we're trying to understand the character of God, and it talks about, you know, like a mother loves a child. We don't, we don't read, we don't use that to form our sense of God's character and devotion to us. You know, you know we'll read a scripture like that. Then we'll turn around and say, yeah, he loves you so much. He'll kill you if you don't do that. You know, stupid. You're like, what?
0: Yeah. what? How yeah.
1: stupid are you? Right. And, and, you know, then it talks about, you know, a wife loving her husband or a husband, you know, loving his wife. And you're thinking, man, how, how did we get so goofy? How did we get so religious? And how did we get so mean hearted about God and lie about him the way we lie about him, you know? Hmm. Well, so, you know, th- you know, there is a bond between a mother and child that does not exist anywhere hmm. in creation. Right. Now, one of the interesting things is when a mother holds that baby up there in her arms and, and that baby's nursing, man, usually she's looking at that baby. Yeah. Not all the yeah. time, but usually. Yeah. You know, she's looking at that baby, and man, she's just thinking about how much she loves that baby and all these things. Yeah. Well, yeah. now you'll notice, now a baby might go to sleep when they're nursing, but you'll notice so many times that baby is looking back at that mother and yeah. directly into her eyes.
0: Yes, yes, yes.
1: Now, studies show, and, and this, there have been biological, scientific studies show that they will somehow be able to identify the brain patterns by the thoughts of the mother. So she's sitting there thinking, "Man, I, I love you. I, you know, I'm going to be here forever. I will never, never let anything happen to you. You know, you're the most precious thing in my world." Well, they now know that those brain waves, those thoughts show up in the child's brain. Really? Oh, yeah. And so it's, it's called entrainment. Hmm. And so what happens is in this intimacy, no words have to be said. In this intimacy, everything the mother is feeling and thinking about that child is actually getting imprinted in their brain and ultimately their heart. And so there's a sinking up and there, and there is a feeling of connection that some kids will never have because they never had that experience. You know, maybe their mother had to work and didn't get to breastfeed, but it could be made up later. I'm, you know,
0: yeah, of course.
1: And, you know, I, I do that. And you, you heard me talk about this with a, like when, I, when I'm training, like when I was training at hooch, you know, I yeah. would just I would get I'd just get down on his level. And I would just look him in the eye and I would think about what kind of dog he is. You know, uh, Hooch, even though he could be a vicious killer because he, you know, he's 115 pounds of mostly muscle and he's a breed that is bred to protect their owners and all that kind of stuff. But what's interesting is he's probably one of the most polite dogs I've ever seen. Mm,
0: mm, Totally. You know, I've experienced him, oh, yeah. yes.
1: You know, like if I, if I come in the house.
0: So honoring. And, 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 like he's just so respectful. Yeah. Like he's like he's a respectful yeah. dog.
1: He won't go upstairs until I say it's all right to go upstairs. Or, or Brenda's really? upstairs. He won't go off and leave her until she, you know, gives him permission. So he, he, he cooperates with all, mm. almost everything. Well, part of that is because of entrainment. You know, because mm. you can't talk to a dog in English because they don't understand English. They only understand dog. And and so, but but you can do that with a pet and look in their eyes, and you can think about all of these positive things about how you love them and care for them. That gets imprinted. And them. yes,
0: yes, yes. And it's almost less interrupted because they don't have a bunch of thoughts to yeah. resist you or anything else. No, mean. it is,
1: yeah. <laughs> you know, Kaim Just like a
0: child. Yeah. You can influence a child because they're not resisting the thoughts. When you're it, saying I love you, they're yeah. receiving them. They aren't
1: It's yes. non intellectual.
0: Yeah. Thank you. That's what I was trying so, to say. <laughs> you know,
1: Ben-Torah, my Hebrew teacher, you know, he uh, he loves hooch. And every time he looks at hoops, he just says, I have never seen such soulful eyes in an animal anywhere. And, and, and wow. Kyle will just, he'll just go up to him and just, you know, and gaze into his eyes mm. and to see what he feels, you know. So, so you know, when you think about like in, um, in John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Well, um, Jesus, of course, is the word. Mm -hmm. And what that means, based on the Greek word that is used, is it means that Jesus is the expression of the word, not just the intellectual, he can repeat the whole Bible thing. It is that every way that he treats people will will always be congruent with the Word. Every message he preaches is going to be congruent with the Word of God, with what God has said, who God is. And so the picture in the Greek that it presents is Jesus not only was one with God in every way that you could be one with God, but it's a picture of two people sitting face to face. It's almost like two people sitting face to face and their knees are touching and they're gazing into each other's eyes. Now, long before I knew that was how that, the language really roll out in that verse. I can remember back when I was doing my undergraduate work, I, I got hung up on this scripture where it says, you know, in your light, we have light. And I can remember mm-hmm. thinking, you know what? If I'm understanding this scripture, you know, growth and development is not about going out and just learning a bunch of information. If I get with God and i didn't even know the concept of entrainment then but if i get with god and i behold him you remember second you yes, know first, yes. uh, was it first john 2 or 3 where it says we will be like him behold because we you. see him yes, as he is yes and yes. so i started hmm. realizing back, even way back then it's like you know transformation is hmm. not this laborious process Trans- Transformation is about getting in the presence of God and experiencing Him, experiencing who He is. Because the life isn't in the information; the life is in the person of God. And so, you know, I, I started realizing I don't have to la- I don't have to labor to transform. I don't have to labor to make this stuff happen. I just need to spend time in intimacy with God. And eventually I started reading these scriptures about how a mother loves her baby. And I started making Mm -hmm. these connections. You know, you know, the baby doesn't fall in love with the mother because of all of the intellectual things. The mother does, the baby falls in love with the mother because they experience something from that mother that supersedes intellectualism. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So, all of that, you know, all of all of this stuff just became a repertoire of. Uh, that's not the right way to pronounce that. Repertoire is that how you pronounce it?
0: I think, yeah. Yeah, uh, it becomes a. Rep- <laughs> it becomes,
1: whatever it becomes a repertoire of, of of all of these heart concepts that I mm-hmm. pieced together, you know, mm-hmm. over a half a century, and uh, and so uh, eventually. I started kind of getting into, well, like in the New Testament, it's like, think on these things. And I remember going, well, wait a minute. If I can, if I can think on these things, that means I have the power mm. to choose what I'm going to think.
0: Right. And, you
1: know, you know, i would come up on other words, you know, like think on this, you know, meditate on this. And I started realizing the massive authority that we had over what we think about.
0: Yes.
1: And how it affects us.
0: And how it affects our feelings and our experience oh, yeah. and our present moment, and our and and the choice that we have. That even when I'm in the middle of something challenging, I still get to choose my thoughts that will change my experience, yeah. will transform my feelings. And if being content and hap- and and peaceful is one of my favorite feelings, I get to choose to have yeah. that anytime. Anytime. Anytime.
1: Now, see, we've, you know, we were taught, you and I, and people from our generation, so I'm older, considerably older than you, but, but still, we, we came up through that word of faith and <laughs> a little yeah. bit of charismania and a little bit of Pentecostalism all shook yeah. up together. I, got, I got
0: all kinds of those. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: But, you know, so, so we, we came up under the concept of well, if you'll rebuke the devil, you, then, then you can overcome your thoughts. Well, no, that's the stupidest thing anybody's ever said, because if you're busy rebuking the devil, then your thoughts are about the devil. I know. You know, warfare, causes the wrong kind of warfare, causes you to put all of your attention in the wrong places.
0: And you know, when I think of actual decades of that being focused and everything that we knew in the moment, it's actually almost sad. I mean... I just think of how that did. It just—I yep. I don't want to live in regret or thinking we lost something yep. because I know God is a redeemer even of that. Oh yeah, but uh, but I mean when I when you're what you're saying, I just want to underscore that was years of rebuking yeah. the devil and 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 in 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 total but you know what we had a pure heart within it I, oh yeah i you know it wasn't like we were rebelling yeah. against god in, in what we knew we
1: were doing we were what doing we what were we
0: knew and what we knew to do in that yeah. moment yeah. that's what we were doing yeah but
1: you know people still live and die by that i mean they I they, they live and die by rebuking the devil and mm-hmm. binding up the devil which means all they ever really think about is the devil and, uh, and, and, you know, for me, now, remember, I told you how that God wanted me to learn. He wanted me to be a pastor. I mean, yes, to help people. Yes, you know, our church start churches all over the world, you know, Bible school. All, I mean, you know, I, I was fulfilling my destiny, but I was also going to school at the same time. What? And so wh- here's what I started noticing. I started noticing all of these big name ministers, they actually believed that, them screaming at the devil and them doing things in their meetings that people went home and totally overcame their problems because of one event in a meeting. And, you know, mm-hmm. as a local pastor, I'm sitting there saying, well, that's really not what happens. Me and mm-hmm. all of the people that I know are pastoring, you know, our people go off to these meetings and, you know, somebody declares them as healed or somebody declares them as whatever free. From- yeah. And so then they come back home and they got the same problems. These people now are beat up, discouraged, ashamed. You know, they've gone, they've gone on, on a stage and testified to the fact That's that they've right. overcome and now they're totally humiliated. And, I, yeah. and so, so, you know, one of the things I had to learn as a, as a pastor was that victory, nobody has victory until they themselves believe it and yeah. declare it for themselves.
0: Yep, yeah. yeah.
1: If they're declaring it for me, it's not. It's not going to be victory. If they're declaring it, no. and, and hope, it's not going to be victory. So, so just you know, you know, I was just watching all this stuff. I was just watching all the things that that people did, and and you know, I was I was in a meeting with a guy, with a bit well known guy, and, and and I'm not going to call his name, but in this meeting, he said, "We're going to turn off the cameras because I want to minister. I, I want to minister to people here privately and personally." And I mm-hmm. thought, you know what? This is kind of impressive because most of these yeah. guys don't do this. They want right. they want that prayer line to call them. and so I was really like, "Man, yeah, I, wow, I, that's know, cool." I, yeah. Let's
0: make this personal, yeah. and yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: But then I happened to look over in a part of and up in the uh, uh, seating and up seating that had been blocked out. No, they still had cameras only. and so. You know, he did that thing that people did back in the day. You know, that's but yeah. that's
0: so suggestive. Like that's oh, yeah. just—I mean, that's just playing with people. Well, they were lying.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, it just they were—they were, they were yeah. lying. They were just saying right. the cameras weren't going to be on, and they were. So, yeah. so you know, he started out like I was. You know, you know, he started out with, "Okay, anybody wants, wants to give their life to the Lord today?" And then come down here because I just want—I want to lay hands. on everybody. I want to be a blessing. To the rest, so Come down here, okay? So now everybody that everybody that 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 needs uh, that wants to get healed come come down here. Cause I'm going to lay hands. Everybody wants the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and so. Before and then finally, you know, he gets down to everybody just wants a touch from the Lord. So the whole meeting room is down there. And then he's going on his television program talking about this is this is how people responded to my meetings and all. And and one of the things in that night, he said, I have a special anointing, and he said, Everybody I lay hands on gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I thought, oh no, this is gonna be trouble. And so As people went down, he took all of these people that want to get baptized in the Holy Spirit to a separate room. Well, there were two people from my church that were there that had a Church of Christ background, and they struggled. They wanted to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, but they struggled. They didn't believe. You know what I mean? And sure enough, they come home, nothing happened. And here's this guy that says, everybody... He lays Now, hands
0: on. Their, their limiting belief that this isn't for me now just got yeah. cemented. Like, yeah. it's definitely not yeah. for me. I, I must be disqualified in some way.
1: So, you know, one of the things that the Lord spoke to me was not to get critical of those guys, even though I struggled with it and I had to work my way through it. But, mm-hmm. but the question was, okay, how do you get results that actually last? And how can you be confident that you can get results? Well, it always came back to the beliefs of the heart there wasn't anything else. And so everything for this past, you know, almost 50 years, and and I'll do it for as long as I'm alive, is going to be based on this journey that we make with God in and through our heart. Mm -hmm. And so if if it's not from the heart, if the heart is not involved, I don't care. I don't care what kind of results, it, it brings up, they're not going to be from the heart. It, the great no. It's not going to be the grace of God. It's going to be the, the willpower, the choice, the decision that you made. There's going to be a lot of, a lot of psychological factors that work. And I'm thankful that they work to some yeah. degree, but you're yeah. not going to experience God. And in your heart, you're going to know that this isn't God. And really in your heart, you're going to know that I really did this. God didn't do yeah.
0: it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, and looking at so, so, you know, so then I said, "Okay, so I will spend the rest of my life learning about the heart. I will spend all of my my life learning about how to develop and create exercises, things that God mm-hmm. you know sh- does and shows us so mm-hmm. one of the things that's really, really interesting is all of those places where the Bible tells you what to think, where mm-hmm. it tells you what to remember, where it yeah, tells you what, you what you to think. focus yeah. on, where it tells mm-hmm. you what to choose, and so so then I started realizing, okay, uh, so I, I've got to unravel this stuff and say, okay, if I'm going to think this, what is the process? And so, right. I, so I got I to start looking at all the scriptures about thoughts. You know, yeah. if I'm going to overcome this, what is the process? So yeah. a really interesting thing about stability that I began to see was that stability is primarily based on what you think right now the problem with this is that you know we were taught to either rebuke the devil or we were taught just stop thinking it and then you're going to have victory well the problem Mm -hmm. is there are thoughts of the mind and there's thoughts of the heart and thoughts of the mind you know basically uh, just all about what we're focusing on whatever i'm focusing on i start thinking about it and that starts producing some type of emotion and, and but thoughts of the heart they emerge not based on the fact that you're just focusing on something. They emerge from the beliefs that you've developed about yourself and and who you are in this circumstance. Mm. You know, I was, I was uh, witnessing on the streets in Monterey, Mexico one time and uh, uh, a guy come up and pulls a knife on me and he going to use it. Now, all of my life, you know, before I got saved, if you pull a knife on me, I'm probably going to use it on you unless you're big enough to stop me. Because I, you know, I had to. Fight. Well, that's your
0: natural reactionary yeah. mode. I mean, you've been ever since you were a little kid. You know how to do that and flip that around. Well,
1: you're, you're, yeah, you're always faced with survival.
0: Yeah, right. And it was
1: so interesting. I felt that impulse. I felt that impulse just rush right into me, and uh, I just. I said, no, uh, you don't huh. want And I started witnessing to the guy. Let the guy to Jesus. He laid it, He laid his knife down before it was all over.
0: Are you serious?
1: Oh, I'm serious. Oh you know, one night we were up, uh, me and Brenda and the girls, we were downstairs. And, you know, we just got through eating dinner and we were just laughing and doing what we do. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Amy says, there's somebody on our front porch. Now, we had a screened in front porch and it was locked, which meant if somebody got in there, they had to... They had to break in, yeah, and so you know, I thought, okay, I'm going to go out there and find out what's going on so I, so I went out, walked out the front door, and out the corner of my eye, I saw movement, and mm. you know you remember- you know in front of our house right now, we have about five big windows, and if I don't know if you remember all of those used to be double doors,
0: yes, yes, yes,
1: and those double doors were inset, so you could step back in that inset and not be seen, but I just caught this guy's going back into the oh inset gosh. and uh and and i looked over at the at the at the screen door and it, it had been cut so i knew he had a knife and i thought okay my girl's in there my wife's in there i ain't letting anybody hurt my family and so my first thought was i'm going to be real casual i'm just going to act like i'm looking around and i'm going to get the drop on this guy and whoever he is i am going to hit him so hard his his grandkids are going to have migraines because, because I am not letting anybody <laughs> get in here and hurt my family. And so, man, I, you know, I was just about ready to spin around on that guy. Oh my gosh! And I oh t- and the Holy Spirit said, "Be a peacemaker." So I stopped, and I, wow. you know, I shared Jesus with him. I led him to the Lord. He yeah. thought that this was a halfway house for, for women who had drug problems, and he thought his girlfriend was here, and he was going to break oh, in and, and rescue wow. her.
0: Wow! Wow! But.
1: You know, I've had those kinds of situations happen where just right in that moment, you know, yeah. a, something you, you, you have a thought and then you we start having those. emotions. But yes. here's the thing. If you've got another belief in your heart, it will mm-hmm. always overcome the emotions.
0: Supersede. Yeah, yeah, always. yeah. So your belief will always be more powerful.
1: No, always, always. So, wow. So, you know, in looking at this whole thing about what you think. Th- then it came down to the fact that all of our thoughts are based on memories or mm-hmm. imaginations. Yes, that's it.
0: All thoughts. Oh, can, I, can can I also say and interpretations? Well, that, of yeah. all of those. It yeah. is
1: interpretations. It's it's, yeah. the, it's not just the memory itself. It's the judgment, the interpretation. Yeah. It's right. all the factors involved with having a memory, right. and then all the factors you weave into having an imagination about the future. Right. See, right. Even, even when you read the Bible and you're renewing your mind to that moment, you are interpreting everything you read based on a memory or an imagination. So, so Isn't
0: that wild? Like, isn't that wild that we are naturally doing this oh, yeah. all the time? And we can all admit it. We all do it as we're reading. We're basing it either on a memory or an <clears throat> imagination of the future.
1: But if we are told or, that this is the devil doing this, Yeah. Then we go to someplace totally destructive. We go to some place we don't Mm. even feel like we have control over.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Start fighting with the devil, which gets And then we
0: get so disempowering. Like it's just and it actually just confirms the fact that we have to fight this. And it's like, wow, and that's gonna do the that force is gonna be the very opposite energy of what needs to be happening here.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting that the apostle Paul says that that and I think it's in Ephesians where he talks about uh, uh, you know all these things we need to understand about who we are, what, who we are, what we have in Jesus. I think it's in Ephesians three, I think or two, and he, you know, he, so he's talking about the, uh, you know, all of this, and then it gets down to, then we have we have to be aware of the resurrection power, the power that raised Jesus from the dead, and when it, there's two places at least that I can remember when we're in the scripture it talks about Satan being under our feet, in mm-hmm. one place it says it's the God of peace, not the God of war. That puts Mm -hmm. him under your feet. And then I think there in Ephesians, uh, that may not be Ephesians, but there's two places. Then there's another place where it talks about our peace, him being under our feet because of Mm -hmm. our peace. Mm -hmm. Not because we're warring, not because we're fighting, you know, because that that says we don't believe what Jesus did anyhow. You know, we don't believe he conquered the devil. We don't believe that stuff. So anyhow, you know, Uh, So all that to say, man, I have spent almost 50 years and will, however many more years I'm on this earth, I will spend learning about the power of thought, imagination, uh, memories, meditation, all this stuff. So suddenly it started coming alive to me all the times that God would talk about remembering things, certain things. Remember Mm -hmm. this, remember this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, when he talks about these, when he talks about the, uh, the feasts or what we might call the sacrifices, he tells us to do this as a memorial. It yeah. is supposed to be a deliberate creating of a deliberate. memory. Yeah. And 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 instead of putting our judgments and our religious junk in there, we're supposed to remember this based on the reasons he said that he was doing it. Not not mm-hmm. not what who our cousin was. His reasons. Says. Yeah. Right. So so You know, and keep in mind, uh, and by the way, I'm getting ready to release a brand new Foundations of the Faith for new believers. But uh, every one of the Foundations of the Faith is actually a correlation to one of the feasts. Hmm. Every one of them. And so, so, see, God never changes. He never says, hey, you know, I had a good plan in the Old Testament, but you know what? I got a better plan now. Y'all ready? You know, it's like, are you kidding me? Come on, God is God, never changes. Yeah, and so I'm. Um, you know, we might have different biblical terminology. We might have God might give us different ways of understanding something by showing us different perspectives. But it the basic truth doesn't change. So, God told the children of Israel about. You know, they had to be holy. They they could not believe. They could not be like the people in the world around them, and they could not have beliefs about him, like. The other gods, the pagan gods, but the Jews brought all that stuff with them. They did, they did not. I'm telling you that that's why. I mean, stop and think about it. You know that there were actually two people, and, and you know, there's debates about how many people came out of Egypt. Some people say seventy thousand. Some people says over a million. I don't know. Wow. But th- let's say seventy thousand. So seventy thousand okay. people say, you know what? We're gonna go. We're gonna go to town and buy a popsicle or something because it's hot out here. And so you get out and you head to town, and by the time you get to the popsicle stand, everybody's died but two. So, you know, 68,998 people died on that journey, and only two went into the promised land out of that whole group. Whoa. That's pretty pretty wild, isn't it?
0: I've never thought of that context.
1: So that means that we have to look at hmm. all of this as believers and say, man, we need to go back and Whoa. read this. We need to pay attention to what God said to them because they all could have went in. And the Bible said there was one reason, only one reason they didn't go in. book of Hebrews is because of unbelief. That's it. There was no other reason. You know, it wasn't because the giants were bigger than them. It's because of unbelief. It wasn't because... Uh, the walled cities that they would have to fight against because of unbelief. You know, it wasn't because of any of these reasons that we come up because God is bigger than every one of those situations. Now, when you when you come out of Egypt, every experience you have coming out of Egypt, you know, this starts with unleavened bread. Then it goes to the Passover, then mm-hmm. it goes to first fruits. Then it goes to crossing the Red Sea. Then it goes to Sinai. And so it goes through all of these things. Well, all of these things are really demarcation points of growth, of experiences that we need to have. Personally. Personally. You
0: and me, we need to have these personal experiences. Yeah.
1: So that when we get to the promised land... We can go in and possess our possessions. See, if, if we don't make these growth points on this journey, yeah, then even if God just snaps his finger and gives us the promise, we'll lose it. We'll mess it up. We'll throw we it away. We will have
0: nothing to sustain it. Yeah. We will not have the character to sustain yeah. it. We won't have the, most of all, we won't have the belief system right. to sustain it. Yeah. So exactly. tell me, can you tell me the list of all the um, feasts? All the growth steps? Uh, like, is that something will, that you... I will
1: probably get off... Yeah, we'll cover this later because... I... Will we? Yeah, I'll, okay, I'll, I'll, like... I'll get off track if I do that.
0: Okay. If you don't but mind. just to let you... Not at all. Okay. But I'm just saying if I want to know, then yep. I know there's listeners that want to know, that maybe in a podcast yep. in the future, we could kind of go through yep. that prese- that progression. Yep to get oh, to yeah, the promised land
1: absolutely uh and, and the it's progression
0: fe- of the feast is I mean?
1: phenomenal when you start looking at the parallels and the growth yeah. the growth factors yeah. that are in this yeah so all right so so god it's really interesting of course first of all let me say this the jews changed the priority of the feast Mm. You know, the first thing that they were supposed to do is, is unleavened bread. Now, right. I, I always tell people un, unleavened bread was a first piece feast. That's not 100 percent true.
0: OK,
1: because hundred, the, the unleavened bread and the Passover are so interconnected that you can't sort them out. But mm-hmm. here's the thing about unleavened bread. See, in the Hebrew alphabet, the, the letter for house and heart is the same letter. So when okay. you're when you're anytime you come in the Old Testament and you start reading about so and so's house or their yeah. household then you understand that household or his family or everything that his household is about is a reflection of his heart. And okay. so and so you always want to go okay well, let me just change that word to heart and see what it tells mm-hmm. me here.
0: Right, right.
1: So so what people so You can
0: interchange that word okay. heart and home.
1: Okay. Absolutely. So The reason I say unleavened bread was first was because the first thing they had to do was go through their houses and get rid of all of the unleavened bread. So from a typology point of view, that's get into your heart and be holy because holiness is refusing to believe that God is common, that he is like any of the other gods. So so every belief you can find and identify, get rid of it now. Repent of it now. And then, you know, then the rest of your life, those beliefs are going to pop up. And when you, they yeah. pop up, then you get rid of them, you know?
0: Then you get rid of them. They rise to the top, and yep. that's when you deal. You don't have to dig for them, but when no. they rise to the top, that's then right. you deal. Yeah. So,
1: <clears throat> so un, now, unleavened bread, so, so first you clean the house, the heart. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you go you, and you're, you're dealing with beliefs. Mm-hmm. So then, then they make the leavened bread, and on the night of Passover— then they eat the leavened bread with the Passover lamb. So there's all kinds of typology that could come into that. For example, uh, you know, of course, I think leaven represents beliefs more than it does individual sins, but I think that's a continuum. So so you stop and think, eating the leavened bread on Passover represents the fact that Jesus has delivered you from sin.
0: Yeah, and that's that foundational belief. Uh,
1: but also, Passover means that the first belief that you have to deal with, and if you don't deal with this first belief, you will never get the rest of it right. And the yeah. first belief is God has delivered you from wrath by the blood of Jesus. Yeah. Now, if you don't settle that, you'll never have yeah. stable faith. You'll always be right. wondering if God's wondering trying to around. test you right. or tempt you. And that's what all the Jews always yeah. believe. They always believe yeah. all, all this stuff is a big old test. It wasn't. Yeah. So, so God gives... Oh, by the way, let me just say this. So now the Jews consider uh, Yom, uh, Yom Kippur to be the first feast. It's oh, not. interesting. It is huh. not. And if they had stuck with what God had told them, it's like, settle this issue about the wrath of God first. Mm-hmm. By, but see, they don't have a basis for that because they don't believe in Jesus.
0: And that settling the issue of the wrath of God... You know, that Passover being that first belief that God has delivered me through Jesus. I also wonder if that first belief is, and He is my source of absolutely everything. Not only, Is that true or not Well, yet?
1: I think that it would be, I think it would be very congruent with the concept that He is my source of life.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay, go And ahead.
1: because everything, all provision is yeah. about quality of life. And, yes. you know, so it doesn't matter if it's healing, doesn't matter what it is, right. it's all it all is about. He is him.
0: my. He is my source uh, of quality of life.
1: But it's not just about a belief. It's about eating his flesh and drinking his right. blood.
0: Right, like we said last week. Yeah. yeah. So chewing on that.
1: So I, I mean, we could we could go on this and go on this and go on this, but, but I'm not yes, going seriously. to. Seriously,
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, sorry. So, Jon so, yeah. so
1: we um, God told the children of Israel to practice, observe these feasts. And observe them in a specific order, which they change the order. I mean, they hmm. do them at the right time of the year, but they change right. the priority of what, what's most important. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> so we realize then that uh, uh, that God says, now what I want you to do, I want you to observe these every year and I want you to do this. As a remembrance or as a memorial, there's different words for it. But, mm. but those words mean, I want you to look back, but I want you to engage your heart. I want you to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Every time there's a sacrifice on that altar, I want you to do that in your heart. I want I want that to become your sustenance. I want you to always, mm. always, always look to that sacrifice into the blood and remind yourself, this isn't positive thinking. This isn't new age stuff. This isn't, yeah. you know, this isn't motivational stuff. This yeah. is life through Christ stuff. Yeah, yeah. So... So, again, so I'm supposed to look at it. I'm supposed to engage my heart in it. But then I'm supposed to look forward and say, okay, now based on where I am now, based on where I'm going, what does this tell me about what God will do for me in the future? And what would God will do for me right now, so so you know you're creating this life continuum of this is who God is, he never changes, he's always with me, you know he always protects me, he's always my deliverer, the blood always delivers me from wrath, so this is not God doing this for me I you know the gospel of peace, bam, you know there you are, yeah, and so so God tells me he says, do this every year every year so that you can keep this alive in your heart,
0: yes.
1: Now, I think I mentioned this back a few weeks ago. For years as a pastor, I really struggled with the fact that people didn't keep the fundamentals alive in their heart.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, uh, people would get in the faith movement, and before long, I can remember one time uh, there was a church that used to have me in all the time to speak. And so, uh, you know, I was going to go over there to speak, and I said, you know, the truth is, you know, we were talking about what I was going to speak, and I said, the truth is, I think what your church really needs is they need to get more connected to the love of God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that pastor said, we we don't need that. We're way beyond that. I'll tell you something. When you are beyond the foundations, oh. principles of the faith, wow. then you're already off the rails.
0: You're already off. Yeah. yeah.
1: When you're not building every part of your life on these foundational principles, you are off the rails. You're not building on the foundation of Christ and his finished work. And so Christ hadn't come then, but this was the forerunner. This was the model of what we have in Jesus. Every year, go back and go through these feasts. Now, Mm -hmm. sadly, when most Christians go back and try to observe the feasts, they try to turn themselves into the Hebrews.
0: Right, right, right. And that's not the point. No,
1: it gets ridiculous. It gets goofy and usually ends up in legalism and ritualism and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff and right. leaves Jesus out.
0: Right, right. Now you've lost Jesus in the process.
1: So, so, I realize that God is saying I have to create memories. All right. Mm-hmm. Now the first group of Israelites that saw coming out of Egypt, that saw the Passover, you know, that experienced the Red Sea, that experienced deliverance from Pharaoh's army, that experienced Mount Sinai. you know, that first group, they were looking back at an actual event that they could remember. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: Nobody since then has an actual event to look back to, but we are told to remember them. So this means that God is saying, not only do you have control about what you think, you have control about what you remember. And you can create the memories that, that, would be, that would come from a perfect life of growing up in a family that loved God and treated you right and always being delivered and always having all of your needs. You can grow up and, and in wow. your heart, you can have yeah. something happen to where yeah. that's your only sense of self that you have.
0: Wow. Wow.
1: So you know you 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 start realizing, okay, now when I came to Jesus, here's what's supposed to happen and you know I don't know what's happening to people in churches i I, I don't know. You know I don't want to be critical or judgmental, I don't want to assume something that's wrong, but you know, I've talked to hundreds, if not thousands, of people that you know got saved in church. I said, so tell me tell me what you believe about." the resurrection of jesus well he, 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 he was raised up on easter so what else what else uh i don't know and you start asking them questions about the death burial, and resurrection of jesus no clue other than cliche responses you know they can quote a scripture or two and
0: not personal oh not, no. no not something they've chewed on or right uh, yeah so, as we say, eat the flesh, drink yeah. the blood, not that kind
1: of pit. So, that, But that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed right. to, God says there's something in us that on a regular basis, if we do not go back with our memories and experience these things as if we were there, that we will lose these, this foundation. And then we will build everything on wood, hay, and stubble instead hmm. of building it on the cornerstone, Jesus Christ.
0: Hmm. And then we just, last week, I remember, Jim, we were talking about value. If you truly value your foundations and value God, then this will be something that you value enough that you will do this.
1: You know, back, I think it was last year, maybe a year before last, I started asking pastors, it's like, okay, uh, uh, tell me, I'd say, tell me a little bit about uh, what you think your role is in the pulpit. In other words, Tell me me kind of where you get the sermons you preach and what you have in mind. Mm -hmm. Well, basically, and I'm not saying this is wrong, but almost everybody said would come up with this concept of inspirational. And so whatever I'm inspired to preach this week is obviously what God's telling me. Now, is that true? No. Sometimes it's true. But just because you have inspiration or imagination about it doesn't mean God's telling you to do it. Does that Mm -hmm. make it wrong? No, mm-hmm. it doesn't make it wrong. What does it? What's the problem then? The problem is it produces very unstable Christians. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, when you think about a journey, and so it, 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 I, I won't go through all the questions, and I wouldn't let them know that I was gathering information. I just want to know yeah. what, I just wanted to know what they thought. Yeah. So you know, my concept. I used to describe this in our school of ministry. I say, you know, as the pastor, it's sort of like I'm the captain of the ship and we're navigating icebergs and all this kind of stuff, but we're on a journey. My job is to take you from where we start to the end of that journey without you drowning and your life being destroyed in the process. Mm-hmm. So if, if every sermon I preach is an inspirational tidbit that may be good and may be valuable, but it doesn't link to the overall picture, then none of the people hearing me are never going to understand what is the open mem? What is the open message that tells me what I'm supposed to be doing? You know, the journey that I'm on. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, people can talk around it. You know, I, leave this sounds so critical. and I don't want to be, I'm just, I'm just telling you my experience. You know, talking to people. Mm -hmm. People Mm -hmm. can talk around it. They can say a lot of the right buzzwords, but, as often as not, the great majority of people, when they're when their back's against the wall, none of this stuff means anything. Wow. It's not what's going to come to their minds. It's not what's going to rise up out of their heart. They're not going to know why healing is theirs. They're not going to know why they don't have to, you know, they can overcome condemnation. Yes,
0: yes. They have
1: no biblical yes. basis rooted in God himself and what mm-hmm. he did through the Lord Jesus.
0: Wow. What do you suggest for this?
1: Well... So God says I want you to, I want you to, every year I want you to I want you to memorialize. I want you to right. remember so some of this. these
0: foundations if you if they're attached oh. to a time of year or you do it every year then it just keeps them alive yeah. however valued. you do
1: I, I don't care how Oh yeah as I say you don't have to turn yeah. it
0: into a ritual yeah. or anything yeah
1: So so if I take if I if I create this memory about crossing the Red Sea And in this memory, I am there because I I am creating this as meditation. I'm moving this from a memory to a meditation. So now I am experiencing this right now. I'm experiencing what it's like for Pharaoh and his armies to be bearing down on me. But I'm also experiencing the fact that, hey, in the daytime, there's a cloud between me and them. Mm. They can't find us. In (laughs) In the nighttime, there's a fire between me and them. They're afraid to cross it. And so, and so, you know, you you make this thing as real as you possibly can. So now, what happens is this becomes your memory. Yes, yes. Now, remember, when you come to Jesus, you think you are the sum total of your life's experiences. Wow. Now, so because nothing about the heart is ever taught. Because mm-hmm. nothing about the foundations of faith is ever taught. Nothing about the identity in Jesus is ever taught at the proper time. Then what happens is all people know is somehow or another through Jesus, I have gotten a ticket to him. Hmm. But then they spend <laughs> the next 40 years of their life struggling with past memories. Hmm. You know, the hurts that I had when I was five years old, the Mm -hmm. time I got molested when I was 14, the time, you know, the time somebody broke my heart, you know, when I was 21, the divorce that I went through at 30, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, so the thing is, we are coming to God and we're saying, man, I am this, I am this mess of pain and sorrow and the hurt, and this is who I am. And so it's sort of like, I want you to, I want you to get me to heaven somehow But I actually have no clue of what I'm supposed to do in real life. I have no clue how to get over any part of my past.
0: Wow. Wow.
1: I was so fortunate. Man, i tell you, we had an interim pastor the little church. And I felt impressed. I mean, I went to the church that I felt impressed to go to. And uh, uh, so I got to go to this church. And we had this old interim pastor. You know, he was retired and he was probably in his 70s, you know. And he told me, he said, you know what, for years... I had to watch what I said to keep, to keep all the Baptists happy. He said, now mm. I can say anything I want to because I'm retired. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, you know, so, so I went in and told him about giving my life to Jesus and that sort of thing. And so he told me about water baptism. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, he taught me a few other things, but, but water baptism was a really, really big thing. And, I, you know, I've ex- talked about this on here before, how he talked about my faith had to be involved. I had mm-hmm. to imagine myself dying in that mm-hmm. watery grave, which is really kind of even gets into crossing the Red Sea. Yeah. Uh, I, had to, I, had to, I had to have the belief, I had to produce the belief in my heart through baptism that going down in that water was me absolutely dying, and coming mm-hmm. up out of that water was me being raised up with Christ. Mm. And I tell you, I, I think back to that old guy. I'm telling you what, I, I'm thinking, boy, people did not know what a treasure they had in that old guy because yeah. you yeah. know he was just an old country preacher. But buddy, he he had these basics hammered out.
0: Yes, yes he did, and they were real to him. He wasn't just preaching. No. He was; those were real to him.
1: No. So, so, most people come to Jesus, but the thing is, they still have this sense of, I am who I've always been. So, now that I'm a Christian, I'm going to go get counseling and I'm going to pray and I'm going to beg God and, and He's going to fix these things in me. Mm-hmm. So, rather than becoming a, a believer and saying, Oh, everything that I've been up to this point is dead, and that's what He told me. He said, well, I, And he, you know, I can't even remember His country terms, but He said, Now, <laughs> when I stick you down in that water, he says, inside you, you got to somehow determine that everything that you have been till this point is dead and I'm burying you. And you and, yeah. and you can never, and he told me, he said, you don't ever talk about that old man again like it's real. You don't never talk about your past life wow. like it's real. Wow. You don't ever bring it. this up.
0: I love it. I'm I like, love okay. it.
1: I'm like, okay.
0: okay, I'm doing that. Yeah. And then all of, see, I'm really catching this, Jim, because then my memories can be ones that I've created with Jesus. In that place of meditation that I have lived through, putting myself through the Bible
1: stories, like having
0: that cloud. But you stop and think. Yeah.
1: If you believe something in your heart
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and you really believe in your heart, it alters your sense of identity. Yeah. So see, if I believe that I have died with Mm -hmm. Christ and I believe that I have been raised up with Christ, then I don't ever have any sense of I need to fix something for my past. Because that guy's dead. Mm -hmm. I mean, right. that'd, be like, that'd be like saying, you know my granddaddy, he'd been dead about 20 years. I think I'm going to take him to the hospital and see if they can make him feel better.
0: Right. And that's, I about, really that's what we're doing. You. Right. I get it. So I really,
1: it. we're living under a false assumed identity of that person who died. You're right. You know, any, anybody out there has got a criminal background, uh, <laughs> you know, all you got to do... To get a new identity, go down to a graveyard, find somebody that yeah. was born about your age, yeah. uh, get their name, birth date, go contact records, get all the information, and you can get a social security card and everything saying you're that person. That's what wow. cri- that's what criminals do. They take on the identity of a dead person.
0: Someone's dead. Yeah.
1: Well, that's what we do as believers. We take on the identity of this person that's always, that already died. So we're trying to counsel him. We're trying to help him. We're trying to encourage him. We're trying to get him to be alive again, but just be a better version of ourselves. You ah. know, you know I'm, i, I kind of like the saying, you know, I'm going to be, the, I'm gonna be the, the best version of me, but I kind of despise it at the same time. Yeah. Because people will say that and I'm like, well, what do you mean by it? I know what I mean by it. What do you mean by it? Because the best version of me still sucks. The best version yeah. of me is still going to go to hell. The best version yeah. of me is still a wicked pervert. What are you talking about? Best, ver- I mean, uh, I, mean you know, I, I get it.
0: I get it. I know, yeah. but I get what you're saying too. That is the yeah. old man.
1: So if I become a new creation, then if I don't have memories, if I don't have new memories, I will always default to my old memories.
0: Right, right.
1: And so God is saying, Take all of these feasts, which all they all align themselves with the six foundations of the faith: mm-hmm. repentance from dead works, faith mm-hmm. toward God, uh, doctrine of baptisms, you know, laying on of hands, the resurrection from the dead, and eternal judgments. I got news for you: I don't even meet meet many Christians that even believe those doctrines anymore. You start talking about eternal judgments, like, oh no, there's no there's no judgment. I'm in Jesus. I'm in. I got news for you. There's going to be a judgment seat. There's going to be a couple of judgment seats. And you Mm -hmm. need to understand how they work so that you don't have condemnation, but also so that you make your life count, you know, for the rest Mm -hmm. of your life.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: So I have to find a way, like I say, to go back and live that experience. But I also have to find a way to bring that into modern history. And this new man, I get to create a new memory based on the blood of Jesus. I I get to... Create a new memory based on uh, the you know first fruits, Jesus' resurrection from death. I get to create a new memory about crossing the Red Sea, coming and being baptized into the body of Christ. I get to create a new memory about getting baptized in the Holy Spirit and all of God's laws being written on my heart. You know, Mm -hmm. I get all of these new memories based on everything that happened. And here's an interesting thing. Now, Jesus has fulfilled, what is it, three or four of those feasts. All of the others are about his second coming. Hmm. So if mm-hmm. I get solid in these that I've already seen, then I can start projecting, if you will, me meeting Jesus when he comes the next time. Right, you know, right, right. Me standing before the judgment seat of Christ where the rewards right. are handed out, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I start creating these new memories. So what what triggers them, when I start thinking about my past, I don't think about that criminal past that I had I don't think about right. that immoral no. ungodless person I no. start thinking about, oh yeah that past where yeah we stood up to favor I remember I was there I was yeah. right there looking favorable now I. I was saying oh no, yeah. no 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 we yeah yeah you know? have
0: yeah. communicated this so well in spot like I love that word inspiration because yep. now we can read through this and now it's next level oh yeah of experiencing yep. the love of God experiencing his rescue and experiencing his triumph yep. all of all of it experiencing yep. new life experiencing all of this
1: yep. everybody ju- can jump in on our uh, on our weekly cyber church every thursday yeah. i release a new cyber church okay good and you know i'm going through a lot of this right now in cyber okay, church good. so so, okay, it, so it's there and we'll make it available every way we can and by the way okay, let good. me remind you if you want to come to uh World Changer Weekend. That's going to be the third weekend in July, which I think is like the 16th. 15,
0: six, 16 16th, 17th, Yep, yep, yep. And
1: we're going to have a party.
0: Party. Go
1: Going to have some in great Huntsville, worship music. Alabama. Yeah. So, uh. Come on down. We'll ha- we'll do it. something we'll do something inspirational, I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, you,
0: you we will make a memory. Yep. We'll make a new me- another new memory That's to right. layer on. <laughs>
1: That's right.
0: Yeah. Oh, thanks so much, Jim. I just love what we talked about today. Oh yeah. And, and so thankful. I can't wait for next week. I just love this trek. I love yep. this journey. And I love you guys who are listening that we get to do this together. And I'm just believing for you for this, is that the old man is gone and yep. the new is alive. And just be alive. You get to be yep. alive in that new man in Jesus.
1: And we and remember, when you start to have a memory about your about your old man past, yeah. you just need to go, whoop, nope, that person's dead.
0: Right. And you
1: need to choose h- how you want to think about your new life.
0: Right, exactly. You get to choose yep. and you get to remember. Jesus said we yep. have the authority to how we get to think. Absolutely. I love it. Yep. Okay, you guys, thanks so much. Mm-hmm. We'll see you next time. Have the best week and we love you. Okay, bye-bye.